the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today I want to focus on the role of judgment. How does judgment fit into the grace of God, identity in Christ, a free gift, all the things that we use to describe grace? And I want to just start with a story, a personal story from a few years back. I just went through a season, probably now almost four years ago, where it seemed like everything that I was believing and God was revealing to me, I was just getting challenged uh, from multiple different angles. Uh, And it was just an intense season, Uh, sleepless nights, just really challenging, really difficult. And I remember it culminated in a conversation with a few guys uh, towards the end of the year, this would be 2011, and really caused me to articulate some of the differences of what God was doing in me and exposed uh, really my worst fear of having to talk through all these things uh, because I just realized, wow, I'm changing. Uh, what does that mean for people I'm relating to and connecting with and where what will that what will that result in? Anyway, so go through that entire experience and everything went well. Um, it was healthy. Um, and that time concluded. And I just remember driving in my car after that experience, just thinking about what just happened, you know, all the things that I had felt might happen, didn't happen, uh, really was the the best possible turnout is what is what happened. And I remember out of the blue, it seemed to me God spoke and said, uh, just that still small voice and said, Justin, that was my judgment. And for the season I had been in of discovering unearnable grace, uh, the power of God to do the will of God, um, you know, the desire of God to do the will of God. That was not the word I was expecting to hear, to be honest with you. And I just remember having the question in my mind, like, God, you're going to have to help me understand that one. And immediately this thought came to mind. I was judging fear that was hounding you. And I remember in that moment just bursting into tears because in that moment I understood at some level, at some deeper level, the judgment of God in a way that was thoroughly grace-oriented, yet in a way that was absolutely pointed at things that were harming me, uh, namely fear. And I remember thinking, God's not after me. He's after the things that hinder me. And it set me free to realize the judgment of God is not something to be afraid of. It's not something to to run from. It's actually an extension of the love of God. It's not God's angry side. It's it's his it's his the depth of his love pointed at anything that prevents you from receiving, therefore giving, love yourself. 
which was a total shift in my perspective of, of what the judgment of God is. And the funny thing is, the experience wasn't like pleasant in the sense of, wow, this feels awesome. Every, you know, that six-month window of where it was up and down uh, every other day, it seemed. Uh, and then a real intense, you know, 48-hour period um, where, where I just remembered that there is something intense happening. And I don't know fully what this is. And yet, in the midst of that, it wasn't shaming it wasn't rejecting. It wasn't separating me from God. It was separating fear from me and Jesus who were in union. <laughs> in other words, Jesus has already defeated that fear. He's already overcome it. He's already defeated it in me. But what he was doing is by his spirit, through circumstance and relationship and difficulty, he was he was allowing the orchestration of an event to help solidify in my understanding, in my ability to perceive his nature, character, my nature and character, which is new, and see more clearly. He was actually expanding my revelation. So it's Ephesians 1, Paul prays they would have um, that, they, that the, um, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus, he was giving he was increasing the light in my understanding that I could see and know this is who I really am. This is what God's really like. This is what has taken place in me. And realize fear was nothing to be afraid of. That was the biggest thing that I came out of that season with is recognizing the thing God did was he showed me. By exposing that fear, he showed me there was nothing to be afraid of. And honestly, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Now, that doesn't mean I'm like, God, can we wash, rinse, repeat that and do that over and over again? That was so fun. But on the back end, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it's it's similar to the correction of God. You know, sometimes in, in, in this journey and walking out of, of the grace of God, we think, oh, God no longer corrects us which isn't true. It's just the reason he is correcting us. We begin to see more rightly when we understand grace because we realize uh, it's a non-negotiable. We're accepted. It's a non-negotiable. We're loved. It's a non-negotiable. We've already been given everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, we're full, we're whole, we're complete, and we're growing or we're maturing in that fullness in that wholeness and in that completeness. And only in God does that make sense. In the mind of man, you don't become mature uh, until you reach a certain stage. In the mind of God, you are always mature, yet your maturity can increase. Um, so you go from fullness to fullness. You go from glory to glory. You go from faith to faith. It's an ever-increasing uh, revelation, ever-increasing deepening of the grace of God. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not trials. It doesn't mean there's not difficulties. It doesn't mean there's not problems. But you begin to look at problems differently. You begin to look at trials differently. You begin to look at difficulties differently. That's why Paul can write in 2 Corinthians 12, I delight in weakness. I delight in hardship. I delight in things that aren't easy. Not because he was just a glutton for punishment, but because he realized it was in that place that he was unable in his own strength to produce results that God is more than 
than able and actually prefers to do it that way for two reasons. Number one, it reveals God to the world. Number two, it sets you free from not having to pump up faith and miracle power and all that stuff. Uh, and number three, it's it's nothing you feel like you have to maintain. It, it's You realize in rest, God moved. Therefore, you trust him to always be moving by faith. Uh, you're listening uh, by the grace of God to his voice. And when you hear it, there's grace in you to respond uh, joyfully and see fruit born uh, effortlessly as far as human effort goes. Which is a bunch of good news right there. Um, so all of that to say... What you start realizing when you when you begin to mature and recognize the grace of God in a greater way is it's not that God doesn't correct anymore, but now he's correcting out of this is who you are now. So you don't have to do these things, believe these things is actually where it starts because this is actually harming you. It's harming you personally. It's harming you relationally. It's harming you and your family. It's harming you and work. It's harming you you know, fill in the blank for whatever aspect of life we're talking about. And that's the reason God corrects us. But the way I like to think of it is, imagine you have a thorn in your hand and you're walking around with a thorn in your hand. Now, the thorn isn't who you are. The thorn isn't a part of you, but the thorn is affecting you. It's the same with sin. Sin isn't who we are. We're dead to that. We've been, we've had that old nature circumcised. We have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. It is a finished work. It's not a partial work. It's a complete work. At the same time, if someone comes under the influence of a lie, gets hurt, believes a lie, gets wounded, whatever uh, scenario it plays out, and you own something as if it's you, even though it's not you, as if saying this thorn is now a part of my hand, but everyone would look at you like you're crazy because they know it's not, then yeah, sin can affect you. So what does God do in his mercy, in his grace? He judges the thorn. He's not judging you. And the truth is he's already judged sin. But my point is he is bringing into your remembrance. He is bringing into your understanding and reinforcing that already done judgment on the cross 2,000 years ago in a present day experience. So he's he's saying this thorn or this sin or this issue is not you and it's hurting you. So I'm going to do uh, what a great father would do and I'm going to help remove that thorn. And here's the reality. Does that hurt? Uh-huh. But just for a moment. But in the end, the pain actually ends in relief because you realize that was killing me. That was hurting me. And now the Father in his goodness and in his kindness and in his gentleness just removes something from me that was not of me, that was not from me, and that was not for me, that was actually harming me so that he could help me realize there is freedom that he's already purchased and I don't have to pretend. I don't have to be deceived and believe that this thorn is a part of who I am. Hopefully that makes sense. So James says it this way in James chapter 2. He's, he's talking about um, to those who are merciless, no mercy will be shown as far as in terms of the law. In other words, for, for those who are saying, well, I don't break this part of the law, uh, but I'm going to judge you if you do, and then I forget that, I oh, I broke this other part of the law, um, he's like, that. that is a futile exercise 
Because at the end of the day, the law judges everyone. It doesn't matter how big of a violation or how small of a violation. So get rid of that law thinking you need a Messiah, you need a Savior. Therefore, if you're going to judge people that way, okay, you're going to reap what you sow. And that's not because that's what God is intending. That's because that's what you have decided you want to eat from. It's just like, you know, God created the law of gravity. Uh, if I walk off the roof of my house and I fall to the ground and I break my leg and then I blame God because he created the law of gravity, that would be known as stupidity. Uh, God created that law for our benefit so we don't float off the ground and we actually can walk around on the planet. Um, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that we can't violate that and actually harm ourselves. But what it does mean is God's not the author of that violation. And so we don't need to get frustrated at God. Anyway, I'm digressing. The point of James 2 that I'm trying to make is the law, I'm sorry, that uh, that mercy, it says in the NIV, triumphs over judgment. I think in the King James it says mercy rejoices over judgment. And what I've realized is that really the foundation of God's judgment of sin, not of man, but of sin. That's why Jesus became sin, so that in the body of man, sin could be fully dealt with. So God fully judged sin. Therefore, out of that judgment or triumphing over that judgment is the mercy of God extended to people who are trapped in sin. And here's the last thing I want to say about sin. I don't typically make a big deal about sin in the sense of it's not supposed to be the thing we focus on and we we get lost in. We get lost and focus on Jesus and his grace and our new nature and identity. But let me say this. Sin is more um, in line with being a sickness and a disease. It is not a set of behaviors. Now, this sickness and disease causes behaviors. The problem is we, when people try to change their behaviors, thinking by changing their outward behaviors, that somehow they're going to affect the inward uh, posture of the heart. Now, the truth is only Jesus could do that, and he's done that. And really, salvation is waking up to the fact that he's already done that on behalf of humanity. To reject what he's done is to live in unbelief and live void of uh, of that wonder-working power. Um, but that's but that's that's what Jesus has done. So sin is more of uh, uh, overcoming sin is more realizing what Jesus has already overcome for us. Therefore, our faith is in him, not in our own willpower to change ourselves, which hopefully is good news to you. It's good news to me. So I hope that makes sense. Again, just recapping, wanted to 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 frame that the judgment of God is against what's hurting you, not against you. And he's already fully judged that thing, but the way he deals with it in our current circumstances, he gives us revelation or he allows circumstances to pull us into a deeper revelation of that already given judgment 2,000 years ago upon the body of Jesus where he destroyed sin itself and the death that was reigning in mankind and he released a whole new kingdom, a whole new life in Christ. 
And so, Father, we thank you for fresh revelation on our identity and the grace of God and how the judgment of God is really an expression of your love, mercy, and kindness because it addresses things that are harming us and it increases our revelation so that we know and understand what you fully accomplished and we can easily let go of any baggage that we're holding on to that really is no longer holding on to us. And it's just a matter of revelation to realize that we don't have to hold on to it. We don't have to own it any longer. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care.